Coach, defense is important, but a team also has to score to win. You can have the best defense in the world, but without an offense to match, you won't be winning any championships. Just have a look at what happened during March Madness this year. Three out of four teams that made it to the Final Four on both the women's and men's side were the top three offensive-ranked teams. That's no coincidence. The reality is most coaches will win more games with a 15% improvement on offense. But how? We're bringing in one of the greatest offensive minds in the game and Read and React creator, Coach Rick Torbett, to help answer that question. On May 9th, Rick and I will kick off our four-week offensive strategies track where we will teach coaches how to score 7 to 10 more points per game. Just head to pgccoaching.com forward slash tracks to learn more. Welcome to the Harwood Hustle, powered by PGC Basketball. We believe in the value of a coach. We're here to educate, empower, and encourage you to lead like never before. Every season has its own challenges, and as we know, adversity is coming for us and our players. This week, TJ and Sam discuss how to navigate and mentor players through these challenges and keep our teams moving forward. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Hardwood Hustle. Hey, really excited for Sam and I to talk today about what I think is a real thing, a real issue that coaches have to deal with on the regular. And I think it it, it can be exhausting. I think it can wear us out. I think players, um, same thing, like they're unsure of how to navigate this journey. I think, Sam, you and I probably navigated it some as players. I know we're dealing with it as coaches with players all the time. And it really, you know, kind of sparked a thought. I was watching Mono's Monday Mindset. If you haven't checked that out, you should check that out. But he was talking about his son and his college journey. And, you know, he plays for um, a really good coach up there in Waterloo, a guy that uh, we know really well. And um, he's been on an interesting journey. You know, Isaac went in and I don't know exact the details, but I know that that uh, kind of like the first year was COVID. Then after that, he had a stress fracture in his foot or and then it, was, it carried on for like two years. And, you know, he, he'd been through a lot of adversity and, you know, recently, you know, talking to them and finally, kind of in year four, he, you know, gets in the game a little bit and plays and just the excitement of being back on the court. And as I was journeying through that a little bit with Mono, just the the joy that he was having, just being back on the team, back on the court, but the adversity, like that's three years to get to that point. You know, I know I'm dealing that with players now that like young freshmen, that everything went right for them in high school and they were the best player on the court. Then they get here and then they're not playing. And I have dealt with that adversity this year, as I do every year. Like they just can't understand that. It's not coming to them right away. So you, you players are navigating injuries, playing time and r- really battling their identity. Like, who am I as a person? Because they've wrapped it up in basketball so much. It causes a lot of conversation, a lot of talk. Same thing in high school. You got parents telling them one thing, players not playing. They don't think the minutes, they're not getting the shots. Again, they, I really think this just exhausts coaches to be honest with you there's just so many um, conversations that have to be had there's so many um, getting people to buy into their role it's getting people to be thankful for their lot in life just their opportunity to play they don't always agree with you but you have 15 players on the team and they probably all have a vision for themselves and coaches have to be the, the manager of the team and you know we can give you all of the things we've heard in the past or things we've used as coaches like, hey, role identification, how important is it? And everyone's got to do their job. But when it really comes down to it, it's an emotional, hard thing because everyone's invested. I mean, parents are invested, players are invested, coaches are invested, and it usually just doesn't work out very clean. 
And it's one of those things that can be a real drain and it can be a real hard thing for a player to navigate. Now, I think it's great for players to have to navigate. It's got to be good for them in life, not getting what you want, going through adversity, whether it's injuries or sticking with it and, you know, um, not getting the playing time you want. But navigating all of that in a group setting is just a really hard thing to do. And it takes really strong leaders, but even strong leaders, I think, get tired and worn out by this. Sam, I want to get your initial thoughts on that, as I think so many coaches coaches have reached out to us and, and they're battling this and journey this. And we know through our PGC camps, players battle this all the time. You know, how, how do they protect their joy when they're going through it? They may have a coach that doesn't see the value they're bringing, or maybe they misinterpret their own value and the coach is right. I mean, it can be either or, but this is just a hard journey for coaches and players. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you, you unloaded a lot there, TJ and, you know, coaching's a lot of things. You know, it is a lot of X's and O's. It's a lot of getting players better. Um, but it, there's also when you want to be a transformational coach, it's about everything you mentioned. You're invested relationally in kids. And anytime you're relationally invested, you are vulnerable to being hurt. You're vulnerable to being drained emotionally. Right. I think that's what you're alluding to. The, the drainage of the emotions of it that go into you're essentially raising kids or young adults. Um, you know, we have a lot of parents that are listening to this. So I, I don't know. I think about a lot of things, TJ. I think that coaches need coaches. They need coaches in their corner that they can talk to about this stuff. Just like therapists need therapists, the therapists who are giving this life advice and emotionally invested in their clients. It's a lot on them. They oftentimes need a therapist to talk to, to talk through their own challenges. So Coaching is challenging, man. You do have those moments, those quiet moments, maybe late at night or on a drive home where you're like, oh, my gosh, it'd be so much easier to have just a job. And I don't, you know, a a tough loss or the kid that is challenging you or is a challenge to coach. You love you love the kid. You like the kid, but they're challenging. And that is I mean, just being real, it drains you. So most coaches have those those moments, man, do I want to keep doing this? Yeah. And then you get, then you get inspired because you get a breakthrough, you get the text message or whatever. And you're like, I- I'm in this for a purpose and a reason. Yeah. I, you know, gosh, I mean, we'll probably share some personal stories on this episode and, and it, you know, each coach can translate it as they've experienced the same things. But, you know, I can think of just so many examples of, you know, that happening where this is adversity, where it's tough, where it's draining, you know, you know, personally, I think I have a pretty good perspective on it. Like I've seen basketball play out in so many ways where I've seen careers, you know, and I've seen players, you know, the ball stops bouncing at sometimes I get that. And so for my, my kids, my personal kids, I just want a coach that cares about them. That's going to invest in them, give them a chance, push them, you know, teach them good life lessons. And, you know, I, I'm in that situation right now with my son, who's a junior. And, you know, he, he, he had some experiences as a young kid. It w- wasn't really the coach's fault, but it was hard for him to process, you know, because he just had some confidence issues and stuff like that. So he stopped playing for a little bit. And, you know, he's back now and um, he's playing and he's, you know, he, he's not the best player on the team, but he's got a great attitude. He's got a great work ethic and he's just a good teammate and he just cares about the team more than anything else. And, and, um, but he's out there and, and, you know, he's getting, you know, a couple minutes here and a couple minutes there. And, and, and uh, as a parent, like, 
I'm just happy for him to be happy. I'm happy that he has a coach that cares about him. I'm happy that he has a coach that wants to teach him a lot of good life lessons. And, you know, but I think there's a lot of parents that have a hard time uh, detaching from that where it's just kind of like, well, you know, I want my son to play. Well, they put in all this work and I'm thankful to have a kid that, you know, he, he's got good perspective and he understands that. And, um, and I'm thankful to have a good coach for him that cares like he does, like I said. But we we have to navigate this in so many different realms. I mean, I've had players that I've had to coach that I just absolutely loved and I wanted to see them play a ton, but they couldn't play a ton because they weren't good enough. And they wanted to play and I wanted it for them, but they weren't. I mean, you've even navigated this. We talked about this with one of your own kids, like you're coaching the team. And I mean, you're kind of a hardliner, you know, but you were thinking about cutting your own kid at one time from a team. I'm like, look, my kid's never getting cut. I mean, I, I asked Boston when he wanted to sign, uh, wanted to announce his commitment to to Emmanuel College because like I'm giving my kid a spot on the team, whether you like it or not. But you've had to navigate that at a young age with, you know, your own kids, like just doing the right thing for them and helping them go through adversity you want to talk about that for a second as i know that that's not an easy thing to deal with as well yeah thanks for reminding me um bad bad dad moment. no i mean yeah so to give context to that one you know i do i do coach both my boys for in basketball um currently during their winter season it'll be the last year i coach them or coach jackson in his eighth grade year but yeah i mean there's I don't, I don't play daddy ball and we have a lot of good players in, in our area. And so <laughs> it was a, it was a kind of a tough moment of whether to keep, keep one of my boys, um, whether they made the team or not. And so that's what TJ's referencing. Yeah. But you know, TJ, the thing about it is as a coach, parents don't understand this players don't always either. Um, the parent or the kid is thinking about themselves. Um, you get that rare kid who is so engulfed in the team and they really do understand they're very team oriented, like, like Boston, like your son. But that's the, that's the challenge of a coach is you got, you got other people with very individual interests. And I guess a coach has a very individual interest in the fact they want the team to do well. And of course they want individuals but they have to keep the team as the main thing and others in that setting aren't always on that same page. So I think the coach is charged with getting people to buy in. We talked about it before. You're a salesperson, not in a manipulative way, not in a sleazy way, but you have to sell your team on buying into the team on sacrifice on commitment, what that looks like, giving up a good shot for a great shot, look, giving up stats for the team win. Um, I just navigated that this, this past weekend. But th- those are the real challenges of coaches. Those are the real uh, – those are the conversations in between at the coaching clinics. Those are the conversations once you get in the season you have with your coaching friends that you need the advice on, you need a, to bounce ideas off of. I think that's where the real coaching, you know, starts and stops – um, you know, that, that's, that's what I believe. What do you think? Yeah. You know, I mean, let's talk about it from two different areas. You know, I mean, I think one is from the, the player 
perspective and, you know, good for players to hear. And, and then also, I think also from the coach perspective, maybe a little bit from the parent perspective as well. But from the player perspective, one of the things that I just think is really interesting, we talk about this all the time at our PGC summer camps too, is just, you know, kids protecting their their love and joy of the game. You know, like so many times the game can be watered down and ruined because it's what you get from it. But so much of life is what you give to it. And I think a lot of times players stay within themselves and become selfish because it's what can I get from basketball? And, you know, I I just always had to remind myself because I went through this as a a player, too. But I always have to remind myself uh, as I'm playing, like, you know, why did I get into this? Why do I love this? You know, I grew up as a kid shooting in the driveway, playing at pickup games at the rec center, you know, all that kind of. And it was just such a freeing thing for me. Like when I was sad, I wanted to play basketball. When I was happy, I wanted to play basketball. I managed emotions there. It was just like this attachment to something that you love and something that you're thankful to be doing. And nowadays, I think that, you know, kids have so many options and they get trained and their parents are paying for it and they're going through it. And so then it becomes like, what am I getting from this? Like, what am I getting from this hard work? And sometimes the reward for hard work is that you worked hard. You know what I mean? Sometimes that's the reward, but oftentimes we're not happy with that reward. We're wanting to see playing time, points, scholarships, whatever it might be. And, you know, it's easier for me. I know it's not fair. It's easier for me to have this perspective because I've seen it go every direction where a kid worked hard and they got what they wanted. I've seen kids work hard and they still not be good enough. I've seen people that wanted to play pro that didn't play pro. I've seen careers come to an end early. I've seen careers go on into the pros. There's just so many directions that basketball can go, just like anything else in life. And so much of it is how we actually manage it. And I really think it's powerful when players can attach themselves to, I'm just going to give it my best. And I think it's true of anything else. And we say this with our own team. uh, One of the greatest lessons basketball will teach you is that it's not about you. Just like life, just like marriage. You know, we've been in this situation where it's like, gosh, you know, you get married, you have kids. Like there become people that are more important than you. And you sometimes don't recognize that when you're 18, 20 years old, because you are the center, you are the, you know, the middle of your parents' life, you're the middle of your life, you're in, you're in the center of all of that. And you, and you don't really get those lessons until later. And basketball really helps to teach that lesson. It really helps to understand that you're, you're a part of something bigger than yourself. And that's why I think it's so important that, you know, players attach to man, I, I love the game. I'm going to play no matter what the results are, you know, and, and parents helping them to find that joy. Yeah, work hard. We want to support you with trainers and whatever it might be, camps, extra work, you know, like all of those things, but not because we need something from you, right? And, and not because you have to achieve a certain thing, but because we want to see you work hard at something and try and go after it. And I can't say how many things I've gone after in my life that failed and didn't work, but that's okay. I'm really glad I went after it. But that's a perspective I just really wish players could grab onto. But it's hard when you have parents pulling in one direction and a coach pulling in another direction. You know, oftentimes transformational coaches will have these conversations with players. You know, transactional coaches will be like, well, that's just it. You're just not good enough. That's where you're, where you're going to fit. And so that's where I think it's, Man, such a missed opportunity from a transactional coach to not have these conversations. You know, one of the big things with me and my college players is unwrapping your identity and being a basketball player. You are more than a basketball player. 
but so many of them feel like they play. I played good. I'm a good person. I played bad. I'm a bad person. Their ups and downs ride how they play, which is not a good thing, which is not a healthy thing. And I think that's a lot of work for a transformational coach, but a worthwhile investment to help them to understand that. Well, I want to come back to that piece in a minute about separating the identity. So remind me, you know, let me share this because when you're talking three things jumped out at me, expectations, adversity, and mindset. And I think it starts, let me back up. I don't know. It starts with this. Expectations are a big one. What what are the player's expectations? Sometimes I'll just ask them, Hey, what are your, what are your expectations of this game? You know, what, what, what would make this game a successful game for you? What would make this season successful? Oftentimes you ask that question to player, you're going to find out a lot about where their headspace is and their mindset is. And if they have a oftentimes they're going to answer and that answer will be way, way offline with where reality is. And that's where the rubber meets the road. But if you never ask that question, then coach and player live in frustration because there's no conversation about what the expectations are. I am so glad that I met adversity as a pretty young player. I'm so glad that I didn't have just mountains of success when I was a young player. When I when I played, I, I started playing when I was nine years old, rec ball, you know, I'd make an all-star team, you know, have some relative like youth success, made my middle school team, eighth grade. Um, I started on my team. Then I went to a new high school, TJ. My new high school, I was the last guy off the bench. I had some real advert. Like I thought I was, I thought I was much better like most guys do. Like we have healthy egos, but the coach didn't. And I sat the bench all year. That was one of the best things that ever could have ever happened to me. Now, I didn't know it as what a 14-year-old, but I look back now, it was monumental in me having later success as a high school and college player. And I share the 30-30 story often. I was the guy that went in the game we were down 30 or up 30. My freshman year in college, same thing, very first game, last guy off the bench. I was at the grocery store this morning. I ran into a friend of mine who used to play in the NFL, and we were talking about this one uh, athlete that we know who's really, really talented, but they don't work very hard, and they get away with it because they're really talented and how much of a curse that is. It's both a blessing and a curse to be so talented and have these God-given abilities, but the curse is – they don't know they're going to need to work hard. It's going to catch up to them. So I, that's what I think about. More kids need to experience some adversity because it, it humbles you. It teaches you. And, and when you learn from it, now some kids just go in a hole. They don't learn from it and they let the adversity swallow them up. Right. But that's what I think about expectations, adversity, and then just helping kids build the right mindset. Yeah. And, you know, it's really hard, I think, as a parent. Like, there's just three angles from it. Like, what is the what is the player thinking? Right. You know, and then you've got this parents who play such a pivotal role and then you got the coach. And when I think about, you know, Boston's experience um, when he was younger, you know, like coaches kind of got on to him and they thought maybe he's a coach's kid. He can take this really well and whatever. And the reality of it was, is he was just a young teenage kid that was searching for a place in life and searching for some confidence. Now the coach, I don't, I think the coach is a good person, you know, fine. And, and they probably just doing what they've seen done before in coaches. And so they start yelling and they start, well, he internalizes that as 
I'm not good. I'm a failure. I'm not doing well. Right. And it's so interesting because it, it, being honest, like it breaks mama's heart. Right. Like to hear like to hear like somebody like be hard on their kid and do whatever. From my perspective, I mean, it hurt my heart a little bit, too, because you want things that are good for your kids. But I also had the perspective to understand this is probably good adversity for my kid. And the reality of it is, is it took a couple of years to work through that adversity, which nobody wants to do because we want things great for our children. And um, but also kind of like yours, like he's better for it. You know what I mean? You were better for it. And as parents, it, it's, it's such a catch 22 because we want it for them now. Same, you know, you know, I was listening to Mono talk about Isaac and the plane. It's like so good to see him get a little bit of reward after having so much adversity and just sticking with it. And we all know on the other side of adversity is something really good. That's Isaac's story. That's Boston's story. That's your kid's story. That's your story as a player. But it's so much easier said than done because we want things to go really well for our kids. So parents just have a skewed slant, not, not in a bad way. They just love their kids so much. And then you have a coach that has to take care of 15 players. And most of the time you're falling short of everybody's expectations, right? Like no, you're not meeting anybody's expectations. And so you're taking the brunt of that, which is really tough because, you know, you probably got into coaching because you want to see good things happen for kids. You wanted to help them through these things. And all of a sudden everybody's disappointed in you because everybody's expecting to play 40 minutes and get a certain number of shots and not everybody, but a majority of the players probably are somewhat disappointed that they're not getting this. On top of that, the parents are probably in the ear, ear telling them they're probably not getting what they deserve. And so then it becomes just a bad situation where the player is not working through that adversity well. And I think it's it's something we owe kids to help them to work through that. Coaches need to help them work through that. Parents need to help them work through that. And so many times we see adversity as the enemy when we just talked about it really being the friend. Yeah, okay. I'm glad you said that. I was, I was going to actually interject there because that's the key. That, to me, that is the key. It's not, and, and you do this really well and you've spoken about it, but it's like adversity is going to be there. Struggle will be there. Tension will be there. This is okay, though. Like we have to normalize a little bit that all these things are going to happen. That I think that's where the transformation, I know we keep using that word when I'm making up a name here, when Joe is upset about his minutes. You have the conversation with Joe and say, Joe, I, I actually like Joe that you're upset about. You you want to play more. That's normal. Like we can, some coaches do this. So go like, hey, why are you upset about your minutes? You, you just need to do your job. And, and sometimes kids need that tough love. Don't get me wrong. But oftentimes it's just teach, you know, talking them through it. It's okay to be disappointed in your minutes or disappointed in your role. Okay. Now let's teach them how to, how to work through it. Are you putting in extra time before practice? We're having conversations about that. What can they do to elevate their role? What can they do to bring value? And again, the, the quote you, I think this is, you said, you said it first is like, and I know we're going in, I'm going into culture for a second, but a, a well-functioning family is like a good culture. You have great times, you have fun, you laugh, you, but you also have, you get like a well-functioning family, you get upset. A good marriage, you might get upset with each other sometimes. <laughs> That's okay. But then you're able to work through it. A messed up marriage, you get upset with each other and you go in separate rooms. You don't talk for three days until somebody's, 
you know, it takes you three days to get over something and then maybe you never get over it and you build up all this animosity and pride. This happens on teams all across the country. Matter of fact, it's happening right now at all levels. So coaches, we all need to teach adversity and talk and walk through it better. Yeah, I mean, Sam, I've got one that's about to, I'm about to have a meeting with a player in, in 20 minutes. And um, yeah. it's it's a real example of that is like, you know, we, we, we try and help coaches in our PGC coaching on, you know, every aspect of the game. One of the things we talk about is role identification and helping players understand. So I've, I've had that conversation with every player. Hey, this is where I see your role. It can change, but this is where I see it now. I, I don't consider myself a pessimist or an optimist. I just consider myself a realist. And so a lot of times I just uh, deal with players in reality. Look, here's what, here's the truth. Not that it can't change, but I'm not going to say, I also not one of those coaches that says, Hey, I don't see you playing in this first game, but by game five, I think you can play 40 minutes. You know, I'm not going the other way. Like, I'm not giving them false hope. And so I, I've gone through with all my players. Here's your role. This is where you're at now. And, you know, can you accept that role and, and, and take it for the best of the team? And they all agree to do that. Well, you know, we had some adversity, you know, this weekend. And, and, and all of a sudden it really happened. And a player didn't, you know, get the minutes until I called on them late. And then they were like, well, I'm not sure I want to go in. Um, they didn't want to go get those minutes. And so then it becomes what now? And I think this is an interesting one where I think some coaches can be like, all right, this person was really selfish. They made it about themselves. They didn't want to be going in for mop up minutes at the end of the game because they think they're a better player than that, whatever. And my gut reaction is one of like anger. I'll be honest with you because I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, this is not about you. You know, I, I put in four players at the end of the game. Three of them sprinted the table, threw their jersey off. They were ready to go in the game. And the other one's like, I'm not doing this, you mm -hmm. know? And, and yeah. so it's like, so what now? And, you know, my hope is that this can be a great learning lesson, but there's also that other rub and conflict is where it has to be about the team. If this player can't get through it and they're going to make it about themselves, then I'm not sure that they can stay on the team. Because we can't do this all year. We can't have somebody that's not going to fill their role to the best of their ability. Now, I don't want that. You know, I've settled down from a place of anger. I didn't handle it in anger because I've been through it a lot of times. I knew it's going to take a conversation. My hope is that this can be a, a turning point where they learn a really good life lesson. But there also can be the reality if they don't and they don't. And they're like, no, nah, I ain't doing that. You know, and then you're like, well. I'm not here to manage this all, all all year long. Like we've got to have guys that are all in that are willing to accept their role and be a great teammate. And what I, and so there's going to be a, you know, a really hard conversation. And some hard part about that is I don't know what direction it'll go. And I think some coaches will just handle it in this way where it's like, they'll just put down the ax. Well, you're done. You're gone. You're whatever. Right. I'm hoping this can be a pivotal moment in this young person's life, like yours and mine and whatever. They made a really poor decision. They made one about themselves. I'm hoping it can turn the corner and be something that's really good for them. But then there's that other reality that weighs on you heavy. Maybe they don't. And maybe you, you, well, let, you, let me, sorry to interject. Let me ask you this. So you're going to go, the approach for you is, is a question, but the approach for you is going to be one of like, you're first going to ask some questions to kind of get an understanding of where their mind is. Is that what you're going to do? Yeah. And then based on that, we'll take the conversation where you have to take it. If it's one, if you sense like a lot of pride, a lot of like walls are being put up on you, you're, you're, I'm assuming you would then um, try to say, Hey, well, look, you might take more of a hard line approach. Or if you say, Hey coach, I, I'm just really struggling. Like, 
this is what I'm in there. They seem a little bit like they really are about the team, but they're having some inner struggle. Then you take it another direction. I mean, those are questions, statements. Yeah, questions. I mean, absolutely. Because, I mean, we coaches have all been in this situation, but you have players that like, I mean, some people err on the side of like a player is really hurting the team, but they don't want to give up on the player, you know? And so they just stick with them because you have conversations and most people that you have conversations with kids, adults, whatever, I I believe in the goodness of people and I believe they want to do the right thing. And I believe they want to want to want to be good. But um, sometimes, you know, you, you just stick with them so long, even though maybe they have a bad attitude, they're bringing the team down, they're doing whatever, because you just want to see that person succeed. You want to see them get beyond that, right? And that can be really detrimental to the team. And that's where the rub is so difficult for coaches because, I mean, there's so many players that I've cared deeply for that have turned the corner. And there's so many players I've cared deeply for that didn't turn the corner. And that is a really hard one to figure out. When is the point when it's like there is no more, like you're hurting the team, like your attitude is bringing people down because you have to care for the group. And it's just like running a business or anything else. You know, you want to see somebody do well, but at some point, you know, it doesn't matter. You hire your nephew to work the job and they don't show up and they don't work hard. You love them. You want to see them do well, but you also have a responsibility to the business. Like, look, you're not you're not pulling your weight and it's the same thing in a team is like you, you, you can't sacrifice everybody because of one person's attitude that's bringing the team down but you also want to see that person succeed and those two things often compete with each other and conflict with each other yeah and and, and some of how that plays out can depend on the role of the player if we're talking you're talking about a player i think who you know is not a main rotational player now some coaches are dealing with this with their best player or their yeah. leading score. That gets a little more challenging because then you have to make a decision. There, I, I've coached teams where the so-called, quote, best player was removed from the team and then the team took off to a whole nother level. That best player was draining. I've also been on teams where the best player was removed and – we the team never was able to reach their full heights uh, that that season. Yeah, <laughs> that season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, look, this is the thing. But it, honestly, Sam, I think it's just a microcosm of life. Like so many times, it's what you know. I, I think God has given me basketball as my vessel. You know, but I think it's a microcosm of life. Like you just see these things. They're not life or death situations, but they're really small lessons that can be learned that can help us in life. And so, you know, I, I think oftentimes if a player makes us mad and we're like, you're done, you're sitting, you're out, you're whatever, like, man, like how many times have I been offered grace in my life, you know, and how many times have I made a bad decision where somebody helped me through? I see that with players too. Like I want to help them make better decisions. I want to make, but it's not just an individual situation, you know, like sometimes in parenting, that's our kid, good, bad, or indifferent, thick or thin, like we're going through stuff with them and there is no out, you know, same thing way I look at my marriage, like hard times, good times, like we're just in this together and we're going to figure this out and we're going to find a way, but it's not always pretty. When you're coaching a team, it's, it's more complicated because look, I mean, they're hurting more people than just themselves or you, right? Or they're helping more people than just themselves and you. They're, it's, it's about the group. And when you get into the group dynamics, things just get messy and the, and the web gets wide. And that's why it's so draining to navigate, so difficult to navigate, also sometimes so worthwhile to navigate. But this is where a transactional coach and a transformational coach are different. 
you know, they're willing to put in the time and the effort and the energy to give their best effort to make it work for everybody. Whereas a transactional coach is usually, you know, hey, look, it's it's not going to work out for you. Or sometimes they don't bother with it because they don't want to they don't want to get rid of their worst player. You know what I mean? I mean, their best player. They don't they look, we're just going to pretend like these aren't real problems because I mean, how many times have you and I seen a player who is really talented just get passed through? I, look, I, I can think of one right now. You and I have both seen this situation with a really good player that was a top 100, top maybe 10 player in the country. And you could tell at AAU tournaments, this is an entitled person with a bunch of adults around them that have no accountability. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that same player who's, you know, social media famous is now facing many years in prison for a really dumb decision, you know, and it, but we've seen them on the AAU circuit and think, my gosh, you know, this kid is running the show. He is the boss. Like there is nobody holding him accountable here. Right. And, and so I see. Yeah, trans- it's really, sad. It's really yeah. sad when you see it. Really sad. But I see transactional coaches handle it that way too. Like some transactional coaches will be like, give them the ax, they're gone. And some will be like, eh, I'll do whatever I got to do to keep my best players. You know, yeah, just when just trying to win the game very short. Yeah. For me, DJ, this whole thing comes back to a couple things that I think if you're a coach listening, you got to know your purpose. You got to know why you're doing what you're doing. If you're really clear on that, that helps guide you in the, in the tough moments. Um, and even when you have a clear purpose, you're going to, you're going to have some inner turmoil, some inner struggle. You might have a sleepless night or two. Um, but, but know your purpose. Second thing is when you're coaching a team, what are your values? What are the team values? Like, what are we putting our, our uh, what are we building our house on? And if we're really clear on that, that helps guide a lot of our decisions. Now, I don't think, you know, I joke about this. I was at a clinic not long ago and there was like, you know, 43 rules that we had on the season. You know, I'm not talking about putting in a bunch of rules that take away your leadership, but have some standards and then let your standards, let your purpose guide you in all your decisions. If, if the if um, a particular decision or, or situation comes up, ask yourself, are we heading towards our standards or are we moving away from them? And then we have to make a decision by that and, and also communicate that with the team ahead of time. And probably in your setting, I don't know if it matters as much with the with the parents, but any I'd say pre-college, high school, middle school Parents need to be an understanding of it too. And then you won't please everybody. People will disagree. There will be tension. This is called life. (laughs) And you just happen to be doing basketball. So it's pretty normal. Um, But let that guide you. I think you'll you'll find more, uh, you'll find some peace in that, I think. Yeah. And and look, it, it is difficult. I mean, there is a lot of moments of unrest and, and there's so many times and I tell Aaron, oh, gosh, is there not another profession besides coaching for me? You know what I mean? <laughs> because I think about it all the time. Like, And I know coaches feel that all the time. And, and you got to kind of remind yourself of, you know, what you do, like, is really important and um, going that extra mile and, and, and working through these moments of tension, adversity, struggle, you know, there's so many good things. And it's not always the reward that we want. You know what I mean? It's not always the thing that we were hoping for, but we're, we're probably going to look back on it 
and find some value in it. And that's one of the difficult things about coaching too. Oftentimes we're in the business of planting seeds and we don't always get to see them come to harvest. And, and sometimes we do 15 years down the road, 10 years down the road, but we don't always get to see them that year, that month, that week or that day. And that is really also sometimes, you know, can be discouraging and can be overwhelming, but you know, Hey, look, we could go on and on about this. So I think coaches, um, you know, first of all, we just, we respect what you do. We just thankful for what you do. Um, we're thankful that, you know, I think if you're listening to hard Russell, you probably, you're probably a coach that's pretty transformational that cares. And, you know, we're appreciative of that because the other, the other side of this, Sam, is that I, it's getting harder and harder to navigate. Right. And so, I think the easy thing is like, why do this? I'm underpaid, overworked. There's so much that goes into it. Why do this? But I think the the flip side of that can, case can be made too is like it's probably needed more than ever. You know, it's probably needed more than ever that coaches that care, coaches that are willing to go the extra mile and do that work. And um, so we, hey, we feel you. We hear you. We see you. We know the things you're going through. Sam and I are going through those same things. We're thankful you're doing what you're doing. And, and uh, you know, Coach, we appreciate you listening. Hit us up at, at uh, Hardwood underscore Hustle. We'd love to hear your thoughts, your opinions on this, what you're dealing with, and, and know that you're not alone. If you're one of our PGC coaching members, hopefully we're journeying this well with you, you know, that you got a place to talk. you got other coaches that are dealing with the same problems and issues because um, we want to do life together uh, with you um, and help you through these things and help us through these things as well. Hey, he is Sam. I am TJ. We are the Hardwood Hustle. Thanks again for tuning into this episode of the Hardwood Hustle, where we believe in the value of a coach. If you're interested in one of our coaching clinics, diving into one of our coaching tracks, or simply joining our PGC coaching community, go to pgccoaching.com to find the support you've been looking for in all aspects of your coaching. From the Hardwood Hustle team, thanks again. We can't wait to be with you again next week.